Are you tired of a sky-high mortgage payment? You can refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's Fixed Home Equity Loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today with UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome into episode 82 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I'm happy to be joined once again by the deathly ill, um, slowly recovering Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean has been battling COVID-19 for the last week or so uh, that's why it's been a little we've had a little bit of a, a break in between last episode and this one uh, because Sean has been fighting like hell to get through this so Sean how the heck are you a little bit more air in my lungs today than in the uh, the previous four or five days this week if you'd have had me record one after Arkansas you probably would have had to carry 95% of it because I'd have been in the floor just gasping for air. <laughs> what you guys don't know is that he goes on mute every two seconds and hacks a lung <laughs> just, just to, just to get through. So he's fighting like heck for us. Um, trying to um, celebrate a, a victory, which they are few and far between this year. So when they happen, we just got to drop what we're doing COVID or not and, and record one. There's only been six so far this year. So what better time, than to record one now, Sean. Yes, and if my audio is a, is low, I apologize. Uh, I'll talk as loud as I can. It's blame COVID, not not his microphone or his speaking abilities. <laughs> well, all right, let's let's jump right into it. Kentucky defeats Auburn eighty-two to eighty. It was um, Sean. I, I, I wrote the the recap on KSR, um, so you know, kind of. I was able to kind of get big picture takeaways and, and kind of take a step back instead of just quick hitters focusing on Cal's uh, post-game press conference and all, and all that stuff, quotes and all that. So um, I kind of took a step back and it, it kind of made me realize this was a game that Kentucky kind of overcame all of its past demons that have kind of plagued them throughout the whole year. You know, it, it feels like there's never been one individual thing that Cal or the UK coaching staff could, could pinpoint to say, okay, here's our issue. This is what's wrong. Because one game, it's, okay, this team can't shoot to save their life. They're, they go two for 30 from the three-point line. Next game, uh, they have 20 turnovers and five assists. The next game, um, you know, their, their star players, BJ Boston and, and Olivier Saar, and back then, you know, Terrence Clark, they all combined for like 10 points, but the bench does really well. And the next game, the stars will do well. And then the bench will, will won't provide anything. So there's, there's never been that one thing that this staff could kind of put their heads together and go, okay, we just got to focus on this one thing. And when, when we figure this out, we're, we're, you know, full steam ahead from there. It's been a bunch of different things that have created this long mess of a season that, that has resulted in a, in a six and 13 start. So, so Sean, what do you think kind of led to this moment? Uh, I know Cal's kind of talked about how these last three weeks, he, there's been some progress, some, some movement forward, but what do you think was that aha moment for them today to, to be able to get back in the win column? Honestly, I think it was how they handled Tuesday in, in the loss to Arkansas. I thought it was the the confidence that, that Cal had in the postgame. I, I feel like the biggest flip in the last week has been Cal flipping the script when it comes to his postgame press conferences. We we haven't had to pull apart anything puzzling that he said the last couple of games. There, that's what the story was for a month, right, as we sat there and talked about 
you know, why did Cal say this? Can you believe that Cal said this? We haven't had to do that the last couple of games. Uh, I thought the the video that they posted Tuesday after the loss of Cal being encouraging in the locker room, you can kind of tell that I think, and he even said it today, you still, even with the struggles, you still have to hold guys accountable, which is really hard when you have guys just struggling mentally and physically, and they, they couldn't get anything to go their way, Jack. But today they shot the ball well. They shot the ball well Tuesday night from three, and then they closed in the final four minutes. The, the things that have kind of you know hindered them all season, they were able to do and win a game. Uh, very good step in the right direction. You're never entirely out of this as long as you have the conference tournament. They're certainly not going to be an at-large bid. The only way that they get a bid is if they're an automatic qualifier, and they need this SEC tournament to be played a few weeks from now. But – they certainly have some opportunities to at least build going down the stretch run here. You now get into a situation where you play Vanderbilt. You start to see some games that they should be able to win, and it's it's a perfect it's perfect to set up some momentum. But I just feel like that the way Cal has kind of handled things for the last seven days has been the biggest thing. Is that guys, uh, it'd been easy for Kentucky to come in here and lose today, given the way that they lost Tuesday night against Arkansas, on top of all the other ways that they lost the weeks before that, but. The one thing that you can say is that they've kept fighting the entire time. On that note, Cal's quote after today's game was, I mean, it was almost like, I don't care what you guys say. You guys can be as negative as you guys want about this team and how things have gone. We know that this is a historically bad team. We know that that the chances of us making the tournament with an at-large bid is, you know, slim to none right now. I mean, almost impossible. I don't think it is physically impossible for them to get that at this point. But um, he kind of had that back against the wall mentality and it's, this was the exact quote. He said, I'm just telling you guys right now, I want this team to finish and be something people talk about for the next 20 years. I'm trying to get them to believe what I believe. And I'm trying to motivate them that way. I mean, this group, this young, uh, being what they have been through and doing what they're doing, I'm proud of them. This may be one of those years. If we keep this going, that I talk about this uh, was the, the greatest year for me ever. Like for him personally, not saying this is my greatest coaching job ever, because obviously that's not true. But he genuinely thinks at least what he's he's letting on and leading his team to believe, which shoot, that's all that matters if his team believes it. You know, who cares what we think that this team still has that opportunity to end the season on a positive note, go into go head down to Nashville, make a run in the SEC tournament. And should they win it? then it, in, in Cal's mind, it's a brand new season. You, you, you get your opportunity. All he wants right now is to let these kids get a chance. And I think in his mind, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that, that light at the end of the tunnel is uh, an SEC championship victory. Yeah, it's something that they've, uh, they've done quite a few times under Cal and over the course of history is win the league tournament. Uh, this year it's a little bit more important than it ever has been. Jack, uh, I can't tell you the last time – well, maybe I can. The last time Kentucky played on Thursday in the SEC tournament, if I'm not mistaken, was Billy Gillespie's last year at Kentucky. And right now they'd be playing on Thursday. So as it stands, they'd have to win four games to win the league tournament unless they go on a run here. And that's the thing when you look at the league standings, Kentucky's not far off from getting to play on Friday. When you look at the standings, like they're only, what, two or three games out with here about three weeks to go in the regular season. Uh, Florida is one of those teams. Tennessee sits there in front of them. They can kind of control their destiny when it comes to how they want to finish in the league standings. Uh, I still think this is a team that it's not very good, but it's also not as bad as their record is. I think that's the thing. Like, this should be a bubble team right now. Like, this should be a team that we're talking about earning an at-large bid with regular season play, not the SEC tournament. They just lost literally every single game that they had a chance to win. And it's probably – Jack, I don't know if I've ever seen a team do what they've done this year. How many games have they had the lead in at the under-eight timeout or in the second half that they just did not win? Almost, what, 80% of the schedule? 85%? Mm-hmm. So this is a team that if they get into the league tournament, and we got to hope that that league tournament's played. And I think That's... that the SEC, <laughs> given that they didn't have one last year, ESPN has the, the TV rights for that. There's no way ESPN's going to want to eat not having the SEC tournament, especially this year. Given that they didn't have postseason basketball last year, I, I just think the league's going to look at that and say, look, we, we need to play this thing if we can play it safely. 
and Kentucky needs it. This is a year where John Calipari's never valued the SEC tournament, and uh, this needs to be a year where he needs to value it more than he ever has at any point. Yeah, you bring up one point, um, just you know the the end of game finishes. And that was another one of the, the things I I kind of thought about. Think of that four final four minutes, final four minutes. Cal talking talking to the media over and over again. Uh, all we did this week in practice was just working on final four minutes, working on situ- situational basketball, um, trying to figure out how to uh, get these guys to finish, how to fight down the stretch, how to you know make game-winning baskets and, and game-winning plays and just playing winning basketball. He preached that for a month straight because they – this team just – it just seemed like every time they touched the floor, they were doing fine for 36 minutes of the game. But when they got to that final media timeout, it's just like their, their, their legs fell out from underneath them. They crumbled, and they, they lost over and over and over again. And it was, it was kind of funny. Right before the Tennessee game was when all those comments kind of – that was like the peak of those comments. And Cal saying, this is when we're going to work on it. This, you know, leading into Tennessee. And against Tennessee, not only did they, uh, you know, not even make it to the four-minute – the last four – final four minutes. They – it was the 12-minute mark. They get a, a – a, B.J. Boston gets a steal and dunk in transition. It's a massive moment. Um, just you, you, Kentucky has all the momentum in the world. They're up by 10 points, TV, ti- TV timeout, and everybody's like, okay, th- I think they're going to do it. I think this team's going to do it. And then for some – somehow, some way, they turn a 10-point lead with 12 minutes to go into an 11-point loss at home against Tennessee. And everybody kind of looked at that and said, well, at this point, what the hell can you do? So I thought it was really interesting that this game in particular – it was almost it was almost a, 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 an exact replica of what happened. They got a steal and score in transition. Devin Askew scores in transition right at that twelve minute mark, going into the second the second media timeout. They're up by thirteen points. Kentucky has all the momentum in the world, and it feels like the exact same moment of that Tennessee game. I mean, I mean, it literally was that twelve minute mark, and everybody was like, "They did it once. We've been at this position before." How are they going to screw it up this time? They didn't screw it up. They got it at least down to the four-minute mark. I think there was like five minutes and 50 seconds left to go, and they were still up by 12 points. They turned a 13-point lead into a – you know, just just cut that to, by one point. So they're still very much in control. But from that 5.56 mark or whatever it was to the like 44-second mark, Auburn goes on a 17-5 run by themselves – and ties the ball game with 44 seconds left. And it was just another one of those last four minutes, Kentucky's struggling again. They're choking. You know, they're, they're, how, how do we get to this point again? And then with that 44-second mark, Davion Mintz comes in, knocks down his right-wing three-point shot, and uh, another one of his game, you know, game-winning slash go-ahead, uh, go-ahead shot attempts to – either win the game or put Kentucky in position to win the game. So it was kind of a two-for-one. They overcame their last four-minute struggles by winning the damn game. And we got one of those, you know, Cal talks about buzzard luck over and over and over again. Olivier Saar missing his shot, game-winning attempts. All those early season missing the game-winning attempts. Davion Mintz got another one of those by himself, and they overcame the four-minute, the last four-minute mark, kind of overcompensated for it. So we finally got – all of those things that kind of built up to this moment. It, just, it does feel like they're putting it all together right when they need, right when they have to. Yeah, I, th- I think identities are starting to come into play. It's taken a lot longer than what I thought that we thought it would take, but now you can kind of see that Davion Mintz is kind of identified as that big shot guy late in games. I mean, he's done it. Let's, let's put it this way. He was literally a rebound away from doing it Tuesday night. Against yeah. Arkansas, he hits the big sure. shot. He hit that hit that shot against Vandy a month or so ago. I mean, he's hitting big shots all season long, and I think that's cool to kind of see that that's shaping out and coming into form. That as they get into this league tournament and down the stretch, when they're going to be in these games, look, Kentucky's going to play close games. I mean, that's the thing. If they don't win the league tournament, it's going to be a game where it's a heartbreaking loss. That's just how this season's been. They're good enough to put themselves in a chance to win games, but they haven't been good enough to win games. Uh, 
I like it, though, because you're seeing B.J. Boston now make shots. Jack, uh, when everybody was asking us why was he missing open shots for three months, hell, we didn't know. We'd watched him for two or three years hit nothing but open shots and even contested shots. So now you're seeing that he can do it. It's a confidence thing now. I think he knows, hey, look, it's better than turning it over. I'm going to shoot this thing. You saw it late in the game today where they'd passed up a couple of shots and then Davion Mintz pass, passed up two and then a turnover and it looked like they were going to lose another game and then they come back down and shoot it. I just feel like that they're playing loose. Even in the losses, I don't think that they've, they have they didn't play tight until it got to a certain point in the game. That's encouraging. I don't, I mean, I don't know, this team's not going to a Final Four. I don't see that. I mean, they have to have a lot of things right. going yeah. its favor, Jack. First of all, they have to get into the tournament. But I like what I'm seeing just because they're fighting. The year, the, the 2013 year that they went to the NIT, you had some guys that quit. That they, they didn't fight. Now, for most part, the roster fought, but you had guys that quit. I can't point to one single guy on this roster right now that I've thought's quit one time. They're all fighting, every single one of them. Uh, you're starting to see roles kind of play out a little bit more. Lance Ware is going to be their plug-and-fill guy if Isaiah Jackson or Sars in foul trouble. And I think that's a kind of a – it's kind of a security thing to have, right? You know that Lance can play 25 to 30 minutes if you need him. He's played big-time minutes this year and made plays in one games for him, uh, primarily at Mississippi State. And then he had played a lot of minutes at Missouri. Dante's minutes have kind of gone the other direction, too. You, you see the rotation doing what it normally does in a year as it gets to March. Cal has kind of you know narrowed down that rotation to seven guys, Jake Toppin being number seven. I just think he's found his six or seven that he trusts right now, Jack. Yeah, and going back to that BJ Boston, it's I guess I guess everybody it it feels like there's they've always been just right there for so long. Like you said, it just it's they've been right there at the end of games. You know, BJ Boston's had his big games, and then he'll tank for a couple games, and then he'll get right back there. It's just they've never reached that level of consistency. And well, it was enough to piss you off. Yeah, because you they they were right there to win those games. I mean, go back and just look at Alabama a couple weeks ago on the road. At Alabama, they should have won it. They should have beat Georgia on the road. They should have beaten Auburn the first time they played them. Yeah, definitely. like this team is in a position that they should not be in, but they are. And now it's been one of those things where this team could either say, you know what, it sucks. We we had our chances, boom, we didn't take advantage of it. Let's just tuck it and get it over with, and the season will be over with in three weeks. I mean, we've been talking about it, Jack, that their season could end at Ole Miss if they don't have an SEC tournament. We've been talking about that for weeks, not on record, but we've been talking in conversations. I think that they believe, honestly, that they can win that league tournament when it comes down to it. I really think that they do. And here's the thing about it. Outside of Alabama, Alabama's played the best consistently from top to bottom in the league this year. But Kentucky also showed a couple weeks ago that they had them beat at Alabama had they closed the final four minutes. Just like some other teams have showed that they could beat Alabama and been right there. Tennessee up and down. I mean, what, five losses now in conference play for Tennessee. They win a big game and then they lose a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Missouri lost one today at home to Arkansas. Arkansas is second in the league right now. LSU second in the league right now. A team that Kentucky controlled for the entire game a couple weeks ago. They can If they can just get to Nashville and carry some momentum, you do that whole thing that I've been talking about for months where you change the mindset. You get into a, well, you know what? We control our own destiny. If we win, we win. If we lose, our season's done. You don't know how teams are going to react in that situation. And honestly, if your only way to get in the NCAA tournament is to win the SEC tournament, there's no pressure. Just play. Yeah. Your season comes down to how you play. And I just feel like that this team is finally playing loose I liked Cal's message today that, you know, that they're still kind of – how do you say it? Was They're still painting the picture and all that stuff. It's what I was going to lead with my headline on a story tomorrow is that Kentucky's still painting the picture. And they are. I mean, they're, they're – nobody – I don't think anyone in media or anyone in the Southeastern Conference will write Kentucky entirely off, Jack, until the, the horn sounds in Nashville and they're either on the winning side or the losing side of the scoreboard. And here's why. It's Kentucky. It's the SEC. Everyone knows that can, you have to win an SEC tournament or an SEC championship. It goes through Lexington, and it goes through Kentucky. And that that's the thing that I just think that people know. And just get to the tournament, carry some momentum, and find, find a way to win. Guys are having fun right now. 
B.J. Boston smiling. The bench reacting today during that run. They were 5-13 and 13 going into this game, and they still found a way to have some joy today. That's that's impressive. Yeah, and on that note, I believe as of yesterday or the day before, Vegas still had odds for UK National Championship. Uh, I think it was like five like five thousand to one or fifty thousand to one something it was something ridiculous i don't even remember what it was off the top of my head but it was they are on the board still for that reason because wouldn't it be the most calipari thing we've seen cal do for him to somehow turn this hunk of garbage of a season around into if they get Sweet if 16. they get to the NCAA tournament, make the tournament. You're right. If if they if, if they, they make the tournament, I don't know what my thought process will be if this team finds a way to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, and honestly, I think the biggest thing right now is what I was talking about. There's still a path to playing on Friday, but they need to win every single game the rest of the way. And I don't know if they can do that. That's hard. They're going to, have to go to Tennessee a week from today and win. Given the way Tennessee plays, though, hit or miss, I think Rick Barnes is starting – I think you're starting to see some of those things that I've always said about Rick Barnes when it comes to elite five-star talent. Those are not his best teams. They never have been. His best teams are when it's made up of guys who are three stars who develop into stars, and you don't have all – you know, you don't have a five-star freshman. They got two of them. And honestly, Jack, they got two of the best freshmen in the league. Yeah. Two of the best freshmen in the country. That's what we're used to seeing Kentucky with those guys. But I think that that's almost a negative thing for Rick Barnes and Tennessee right now. You, Fulkerson and uh, Pons today combined for seven points. Fulkerson didn't even score against Kentucky. So you can kind of see, that, does that Pons go the other four way? against us, I think? Something I like think, that. Yeah. yeah. Seven total today between those two. So when I look at that, what I'm getting at is it comes down to just get in the SEC tournament, make sure that things play, do the best you can to prevent COVID. Look, they're doing the best they can. I did the best I could. I did everything right, and I got COVID. Uh, so that's the other thing that you got to look at. You just got to hope that they stay healthy in the stretch run here, get to Nashville and give themselves a chance. But I do think it's important if they can find a way to sneak into that Friday round and only have to play three games. But if it has to be four, it has to be four. And that's the, kind of the cards that they've been dealt. They've dealt it. They've dealt their own hand this year. I mean, they're in this position because they couldn't capitalize and close games. But – the thing that I like, Jack, is they fight. And I just think that you get there's something to be said for if you fight, you gave you give yourself a chance. And I think Kentucky, whenever this season comes to an end, if it comes to an end in Nashville or if it comes to an end in whatever tournament they get in, it's going to be because Kentucky decided it was time to end. I really do think that. So, Sean, I, I came up with this little conspiracy um, theory in my head like an hour ago. So you and conspiracies, I have this thought in my head. So I believe Cal said yesterday that Oscar Shibway is going to be start. He's going to start practicing on Monday. I have a theory in my head that Cal, that the next time we talk to Cal, which will either be Monday night at the coach, probably not that early, but the next time we talk to Cal will be Monday uh, night for his call-in radio show. Uh, and then Tuesday will be the the pregame interview uh, for Vandy on Wednesday. So it'll, it'll be Tuesday afternoon, it'll, potentially Monday night or Tuesday afternoon. And it usually, sometimes he has an assistant do those, those pregame interviews. So we're not 100% sure yet. But the next time we talk to Cal, he is going to – talk about how Oscar Shibwe's presence in practice, he starts practicing on Monday, was just, it, it was the tweak. It was the, the, the life-changing moment that this team needed. Somebody came in and practice and showed this team how to fight, showed them how to be tough, showed them how to fight for loose balls. He, he went at Olivier Saar in practice, and it's like something clicked in Olivier's head where he's like, oh, I can be tough. I can be strong. That, that big, strong, uh, you know, front-court presence that we go against all the time in the SEC and that we go against in non-conference play, we have that guy in practice now, and he unlocked something in this team. And I don't know if he's going to be selling us, the, the, the media. I don't know if he's going to be selling the fan base or if he's going to just be selling his own team. Because I think that very – I think when, Olivia, when Oscar Sheboy starts practicing on Monday, 
he is going to build up this fake narrative fake or not maybe he is maybe he is a game changer i don't know but there will be a narrative at some point in the next week or two leading right into sec play that oscar shibway was that final missing piece for this roster to go from hanging on by a thread to sending them off and spreading their wings and flying like we all expected them to do to start the season oscar shibway will be cal's aha moment that he uses going into sec play and that goes back into what I was saying earlier, that for 99.9% of Cal's time at Kentucky, he's been able to spin things the right direction. I felt like, for the most part, up until the last seven days, he was the one spinning, and it was his wheels. He was spinning in mud. He couldn't get out of his own way when it came to post-game and some of the things that he would come up and say. Like It was just mind-blowing, puzzling comments. that we would all. That's what we spent post-game writing about for the last month was, why did Cal say that? You know, why did, Case, why did Cal say this about Dante Allen? Why did Cal say this about Terrence Clark's injury? It feels like for the last two press conferences, even in a loss Tuesday night, it has been more John Calipari than it has been at any other time this year. So not only have these kids figured out maybe who they are, even though that they've lost the last couple games up until today, you could still see that this was building. And today I felt like was the turning point. It was either the nail in the coffin or it was the thing that throws it open. And today it felt like that if they had lost that game, I don't know, Jack, if they had won, if they would have won another game the rest of the year. Totally. Just be, from a, just from a mental standpoint, it just starts to weigh on you. But they had to fight, they had to overcome the things that had beaten them all season, and their head coach finally is saying all the right things in post game press conferences. And I think that he realized it. And I, th- I thought that was the biggest thing that he said today was when he was talking that you still have to hold guys accountable even when they're struggling. Uh, Devin Askew has struggled mightily to get the ball by defenders and to make plays. But when you look at his assist-to-turnover ratio the last, what, four or five games, it's been very good. What was it? I think he's up to how, – how many games is that? Did you see that number? It's like 29 assists to – is it less than ten turnovers, if I'm not mistaken? I did not see, but I think it's something, something like that. I'll find it real quick while I'm still talking. But, but Devin Askew, I think that he's still doing something to help this team at times. And look, we're we're in a situation, Jack, where this isn't no secret now. Had there been another point guard on this roster, Devin Askew probably wouldn't be playing the minutes he's playing. Because, but that's really the only option they've had because Davion Mintz is better off the ball. He's not. If Terrence Clark were healthy he could maybe play some with the ball in his hands and they could do some things. But Devin Askew is having to play the minutes he's playing because he's the really the, the only guy that they really have that can run the one because Mintz needs to be shooting the ball and in position to score. And I just think that that makes him better. I'm looking for that stat, though. It was Dev. Okay, the last six games, Kyle Tucker put it up, 24 assists, nine turnovers. There you go. So for all the bad that we've talked about basketball. with Devin Askew, that's, that's good. If he does that – he can play those minutes because he's not killing you. He's helping you. He doesn't have to score 15, 16 points when B.J. Boston's making shots. Also, Dante Allen's minutes have kind of gone the other direction right now. Ten, Are they going to need him at some point to be ready? Absolutely. I still think that there's going to be a game where he's going to need to play 24 to 25. But the reason he's playing less is because B.J. Boston's finally hitting shots. That's the reason. People need to people need to stop looking at it and screaming that he needs to play 25 to 30. No, not now, because now BJ's actually doing what he wasn't doing for months. We were screaming at Jack because no one was giving anyone a reason to not play Dante. But Dante still needs to be ready. Same thing with Lance Ware playing limited minutes. Like I said, it all comes down to matchups and how they play, but it feels like that these guys are kind of defining their roles late mid-February. They're, they're figuring it out. Olivier Sarr. He's a face-up guy. Who knew that he wasn't best with his back to the basket? But there was an adjustment today where they were taken away, fronting him, and they played some high-low. And he, he had some really good situations in the post. But I still think that he's a guy that if he shoots 11, 12 shots a game, Jack, I think five to six of them need to be from the three-point line. That's how good his stroke is from three-point range. Uh, that's the only comment out of Cal's post-game pressers the last two games that I thought was eh. I didn't like because he was asking, well, how many threes do you want him to shoot? Five? Well, I think he should shoot five or six because he's shooting 50% from the three-point line. And it's because he's taken a couple dozen on the year. Not like It, it was situational, not saying we want him to shoot eight a game or ten a game because he had shot five no. 
five that last game. No, it, it, it was. We're saying, do you think he needs more games like this? Not do you think yeah. he needs more shots than this? Like it, it doesn't have to be. And that's no, that's, that's part of the. Not, not everything's exactly. a game, Cal. Like just. Just stop being so literal. We're it, yeah. That that was part of the frustration. Well, yes, go on. Well, that, well, that's the thing. Like when you look at Olivier Saar, this is the way he impacted. Like if this is the best version of Olivier Saar, then you start to see okay. Because I had written him off as a non-factor, and the reason I'd written him off as a non-factor is because they were trying to turn him into Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah, he is a non-factor if that's what you're trying to do with him. But what that does is if he if he's the guy in the pick and pop, look how much better Isaiah Jackson's been the last couple of games. What, 31 minutes today, one foul? Yes. The first double-double at Kentucky, 18 points, 11 rebounds, blocking shots at the end of games, doing things that we've seen some of the greatest do at Kentucky under Cal, closing games. I mean, he's dunking everything now. He, he literally tried to kill a guy today. Murder. I mean, like, he, should, he, and, he didn't kill him, but he should still be charged with murder just because it was so just viciously disgusting. Exactly, and that's what I like is you're starting to see that attitude. You saw Keon Brooks today cram one back that that Jake, I think maybe Jacob Toppin or somebody kept it alive. Uh, just yeah. just those those plays, Jack. That this team is starting to go get their misses now. They did a really good job at that today. That's the identity Kentucky basketballs had, even when they weren't shooting well. Go get your misses. Well, guess what? They were shooting well again from three. I mean, is is that a record for the Calipari era for most threes in consecutive games? I think I, want to I think saw that stat. I think I saw that stat. Or at and least did you ever think that this team would do it? Or at least <laughs> like of all teams, 20, this team. Twenty-five, I think. It, it was twenty-five, and they're twenty-five of fifty in the last two games. Yeah, but um, and we're not sitting here saying that they're the Golden State Warriors. But you know what they're doing? They're guys that were supposed to hit shots are now magically doing what? They're hitting shots. shots. B.J. Boston is now 11 for 18 from three in his last four games. And look how close he is to being at 30% from the three-point line now. And he was at 17% a couple weeks ago. Yeah, That's not an eye-popping stat, 30% from the three-point line. But when you were as cold as the weather outside in a couple of days, it's a big deal when you get to 30%. Going into that four game, this last four-game stretch, he was 9 for 50 go through the first 15 games. 9 for 50. And now he's yeah. 11 for 18 in the last four games. I'm, I'm getting fired up. I'm opening my lungs up right now. I mean, <laughs> if you can't tell. I, I'm telling you, and that's a kid that, okay, I think I mentioned this in passing um, last show that we did maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been a little bit since, since we were able to record. But I think I, I, I'm pretty sure I talked about this. But I got a – Amazon reached out to me and said that they are – um, that, that they wanted to send me a, a pre-screener link for the Sierra Canyon um, documentary series that, that came out, that's about to come out here at the end of February. And uh, I've, I've been watching it. It's six episodes. Each episode is like 25 minutes or so. Really, you, you'll, you'll be able to get through them really quickly. But it was the heat of Sierra Canyon's. It, it basically goes through all of Sierra Canyon season last year. And B.J. Boston is obviously the headliner because he was the star of that team last year. And it shows that they, that they went hun- like 50,000 travel miles uh, throughout the season last year. Travel- they flew to China for that preseason ex- exhibition. They, you know, it, they said there was at one point they flew to Minneapolis to, to play against uh, Minnehaha, like Chet Holmgren and, and Jalen Suggs. Uh, went, uh, went there, played them at the Target Center. Um, they basically said, I don't even know what, where we are right now because we travel so often. They're going from NBA venue to NBA venue, playing in front of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And like they, they played a season comparable to Kentucky basketball. BJ Boston lived the life of a Kentucky basketball player before he was a Kentucky basketball player. And you know, and he was thriving. He was making all these shots that he's taking and all the little scoop-de-doops that Cal's saying and, you know, all the tough shots that, that everybody's saying, wow, B.J. Boston's so stupid for taking these shots. I can't believe he's doing it. Like, all this, the, the, the trash talk that fans have about B.J. Boston and his shot selection, he was making these shots literally eight months ago when he was at Sierra Canyon or a year ago, whatever it was before COVID. It, it, it just it makes no sense that this dude – was one of the best three-level scorers I have seen with my own two eyes. I saw him play at the MBPA Top 100 Camp. I saw him play at, uh, at 
four EYBL events. I saw him play at Peach Jam. I saw him play at uh, the Hoop Hall Classic in Boston. I saw him play at the Tarkanian Classic in Las Vegas. I saw him um, – I mean, just go down the list. I have seen this kid with my own two eyes play 20 times. Where did you, 20 times. Where did you and I meet? At, at EYBL in Atlanta. like We were interviewing BJ Boston. We inter- I mean, just went nuts on someone. We, we have seen this kid make all of these shots with our own two eyes. His success or, or his struggles make zero sense to me. That That is the one player. I, I've gotten players wrong in the past. I've missed. I, I've given, This is the one kid covering, doing this entire job that I still, I will never understand how he has not been a superstar from day one well, to now. But and we're he starting was, to get to that point. And he was missing open shots for three months, which was the most puzzling thing. Yes. Like, he, yes, he had some bad shot selection, but I think a lot of that came from the fact that he couldn't even hit the open shots that he was pressing and yeah. forcing shots. He missed open shots for three months. Now, today, you saw a guy skipping the ball across court to him and him not even hesitating and pulling shots. He was breaking people's ankles, doing things that, that he's done that, in high school. That's Sierra came in Boston. Yeah, that, that is Sierra. Exactly. That's high school version, late high school, uh, Brandon Boston Jr. And, hey, he's finding it out. And that's the thing that's kind of been kind of, what, tucked away in all these struggles for the last month is he was getting better every game, I thought. Uh, even last week against Tennessee, I know he didn't have his best effort and stuff, but he followed it up with a, a good shooting performance versus Arkansas. Then he followed that up today. You see him building. Uh, it's just unfortunate that Terrence Clark's not, not out there alongside of him. We're getting to see that happen. I mean, this season's just been – it's been so deflating. But then you see Cameron Fletcher come out and tweet today that it was a good team win. And then you kind of see, okay, look, this could have been far worse than what it is right now. Like this is a kid that might not even been at Kentucky uh, this month had it not been for something that worked out in December or early January. So you're, you're starting to see this team come together – and for all that they've been through, they deserve today. And not only do they deserve today, they deserve Wednesday, and they deserve whatever's coming up here the next couple of weeks just to give themselves a chance. Devin Askew said it yesterday. They they they're going into that tournament, you know, thinking they can win it. Like that was the talk. He was asked about the SEC tournament, and uh, the message has been from everybody, right, Jack, that they're close to breaking through. Cal's been saying it. Now it's a two-point win against Auburn, a team that's not going to be in the SEC tournament because it's a postseason ban. But it had to start against someone. A win is a win for a team that has only won won five games going into this going into this one. I don't care what it looks like. I don't. I don't care the circumstance. Whatever they had to to pull off a victory, and they did. And it just it it really did feel like they were just able to. All of the things you know the the late game runs you know coughing up and leads at the end of game getting blown out to start a game and then not being able to you know have enough juice to come out on top at the end of the game I mean there's just so many things that they struggled with throughout the year that it was just like man what what do you even think of this team because you can't on like on one hand five fingers you can't name five individual things that this team that like that pinpointed what this team's problems were because it was so many different things so many inconsistencies like I think the only consistency they did have was the fact that they missed every single game winning opportunity that that they were able to take and Davion Mintz kind of changed that narrative so it, it just feels like all of those struggles and all of those adversities are leading up to something and it would genuinely break my heart if we got to this end of season run. They don't make the tournament. They don't make the the SEC tur- They don't uh, win the SEC tournament, and we don't get to see the the reward of this season. Like, I mean, these kids have gone through so much. It's led up to so much. It's just you know, they these kids. Have, I, I talked to a parent before uh two games ago i mean these games are starting to all run together um but it was their their last home game and tennessee game it was tennessee and he kind of said he was like dude these kids are locked in their rooms doing nothing for months like everybody's like oh they're kentucky basketball players they're on national tv they're traveling for a living they're they get to like these kids are on house arrest they are literally locked in their rooms. They go 
from their from their room across the hall to the Joe Craft Center. They get shots up. They practice. They walk back to the uh, their living quarters. They stay there. They play video games by themselves. Cal said today that that lately they haven't even been able to be in each other's rooms. They're not allowed to do that. So it, it's just like man, this all of this stuff has been for nothing so far. All of these adversities and all of this, it, it feels like it's genuinely been for nothing so far. And Cal said that today. It's like these kids have to have a reward at some point. They have to be able to look at this and go, all of these long nights and being isolated and being by ourselves and losses, you know, losing game after losing game, all of it has to build up to something. What is that something? Is it going to be in, you know, maybe Sean, it's a magical SEC tournament run. Maybe they win three straight and we get the the confetti falling in Nashville and all that's worth, you know, that would be a big enough celebration for these kids at this point. Maybe it's making it to the round of 32. Maybe it's winning an NCAA tournament game. Maybe it's winning two NCAA tournament games, going to the Sweet 16. I don't know what that moment is. It doesn't have to be winning a national championship. Like, it doesn't have to get to that point. But I just hope these kids get that one redeeming moment to make all of this worthwhile. I don't know what that's going to be, but I, I, just, I just think these kids deserve it. Absolutely. What's, you know, what's the reward? for when you go through something and you struggle through something, what's the reward? And uh, maybe it is just getting in that tournament in Nashville. And it, it's unfortunate. Like Cal talked about it today. Uh, how many games, these close losses they've had at home, would they have won if the crowd had been there to kind of pull them through Very true. to help them get that stop? Uh, certainly, I don't know if the Tennessee game would have ended the way it did because the crowd would have been getting into it as Tennessee was cutting it to four and five. And then they get that stop. Right now, it's just they're their own. They're they're creating their own energy. They're having to, in a where they in a year where they didn't know how to. I mean, this this is kids who've come to Kentucky. They expected the Kentucky effect. They expected the big blue madness. They expected the blue white game, and you know the the packed house of twenty one thousand people at Rupp Arena. Then the crowds on the road. Everybody hating them, but you still see blue scattered throughout. They've not got that. And the other thing that they're going to miss out on too, Jack, is 19,000 people at Nashville and probably, what, 95% of them Kentucky fans. They're going to miss out on that too. And can you imagine all these other Kentucky kids that have come through Kentucky, the Tower Heroes, the John Walls, the Anthony Davis, go ask those guys how they would feel if all that stuff that made Kentucky, Kentucky got stripped away. Ask how they'd feel. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have kids like Devin Askew who hopefully will be back here next year that are going to get hopefully normal but you got kids like Isaiah Jackson, BJ Boston, who we expect to leave, that will never know what real Kentucky is. Right? H- how unfair is that? Yeah. They but never... kids at Duke are dealing. With, but kids at Duke are dealing with the same thing. Yeah. I, I get it. But and I, I've said it too. And you know, shame on me for saying it as many times as I have. Where I'm like, well, it's it's all these other teams like Baylor and Gonzaga. They're finding ways to win. Cal said it today at, at Kentucky. It's just a lot. You're at Kentucky where it's a group of freshmen and it's an entirely new roster outside of Keelan Brooks Jr. And you just mentioned it. They're locked in their rooms in the lodge. They go from the lodge to practice. All the, how many out of Kentucky's enrollment at UK, uh, Kentucky basketball is a small percentage Jack. That's not allowed to go out and do what they want to do and go to parties and do all these things. Even during a pandemic, all these other kids are at least going out to dinner with their friends and doing stuff this team's not this team can't even be in each other's rooms yeah i, I mean it's it, I, I really do i mean it I, I feel bad for these kids i mean it's it's just a very they, they are getting the worst of kentucky basketball right now cal cal said that i mean like you just said they're not getting that fan experience they are getting the kentucky fan base is the worst it's the best in college basketball and it's the worst in college basketball because they are they are more passionate about this program than any other program out there for good and for bad right now they do not get the cheers they do not get the the you know heart pounding 
cheers and and screams in a, a, a 24,000 fan Rupp Arena right now that they're used to getting that they, they don't get to feel the positivity and the the warmth from the Big Blue Nation right now they only get the negative side of the Kentucky fan base and at its worst Kentucky fans are the most vicious and as we've seen, you know, when B.J. Boston goes through his struggles, he's trash, most o- overrated player to, that Cal's ever recruited. Uh, you know, he's the next Scal Labissier, blah, blah, blah. Like, you, you hear all of those groans. Devin Askew. Devin Askew's the worst point guard John Calipari's recruited. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's the worst of the Calipari era, worse than Ryan Harrow. Like, they hear all of these comments, and – they don't get the love, uh, like the redeeming love afterward. Like they, they, they only hear the negative fan comments right now. And it almost makes me think when BJ Boston leaves Kentucky after this year, when he's inevitably a one and done, he's going to be drafted in the lottery, no matter what people think, no matter what scouts say right now, they're going to, he's going to do something in a workout that makes everybody fall in love with him again. He's going to be a top 14 draft pick. What's going to be his lasting memory of this program? What's going to be his lasting memory of this? We There are so many, you know, the Jamal Murrays of the world, the Tyler Heroes of the world, the Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis. Every chance he has a microphone in front of him, he says that my Kentucky basketball experience was unlike anything of my life. You know, still wears Kentucky shirts, still all that stuff. What is B.J. Boston's lasting memory going to be of this of this season? What's it, what's it going to be of this fan base? What's it going to be of, of you know, his his time, at, you know, on the Rupp Arena floor? You know, all, all of these little things. That's, that's just why I, I'm hoping that they get that hoorah moment. And I, I'm hoping that fans are starting to turn that corner as well. The same way B.J. Boston's turning the corner, I hope fans are starting to turn the corner on B.J. Boston as well and giving him the roses that he deserved when you guys were also – me too. I, I was on this podcast saying B.J. Boston can't make shots. You know, we, we are all collectively part of uh, part of this thing, and, and you had to, or else you'd be a sunshine pumper homer hyping up something that didn't need to be hyped up. The, what we were saying about B.J. Boston earlier in this year, that he is missing shots, he needed to be off the floor when he was constantly shooting Kentucky out of games, all of those things can remain true. But it can also be true that that Kentucky fans can start giving him that same love and appreciation now that he is starting to turn that corner because time is running out in his Kentucky career. And I, I, just, I, I just genuinely think that he – he deserves that moment. Not just, not just him, Isaiah Jackson, uh, Olivier Saar, Keon Brooks, you know, I mean, a month ago people were telling Keon Brooks that he was academically ineligible and that's the reason why he wasn't playing and, and, you know, stop being such a wimp. It's just a calf. And, you know, they, like they hear all of this stuff though. They were getting those criticism. He was getting those criticisms a month ago and now he's playing pretty damn well. I mean, give him his, his props, give BJ Boston his props. They, this team is getting better. Let them feel that. Let them know that they're getting better. Absolutely. I mean, that's the other thing too, is even if they lost like they did against Arkansas, they would have come into a crowded rep arena, sold out rep arena today with the fan base that was ready to move on. Instead, they had to come into a game today where there was maybe 3000 people in the stands and they had to fight like hell to win a game. Uh, but they did it. It's a step in the right direction. You're never out of this thing as long as you have that conference tournament. As long as that conference tournament's played, Kentucky has a pulse. And it's good to see that, you know, they're still wanting to fight. Jack, I think that's the biggest thing right now is they want to fight and they want to give themselves a chance, and I think that's going to be the exciting thing to watch. And maybe we're all looking at the SEC tournament as our kind of like, yes, you know, here's the moment where we can kind of get excited and if they go on a run to the semifinals or they go on a run to the finals or who who knows if they win it. Uh, like I said, I think Kentucky will decide when it's time for this run to end this season. I think that they're going to be in control of what they want to do. And maybe as long as they play well, I think that everybody can look and be like, you know what, they gave themselves a chance, but somebody beat them. But just give yourself a chance. Get to that tournament in Nashville, and you never know what can happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm – I, I, we're we're playing for Nashville right now, and uh, and there, there's there's a lot. That, there was a, a point that we would do this show, and we literally had no desire to. You know, it was just one of those things that 
why come on this show and just talk negatively and, and say, here are a hundred reasons why Kentucky sucks again. Like it, it's not fun. It's not fun for anybody to talk about this and talk like this. People want to be positive. People want to be, you know, it's been, it's been a crappy year. It's, there's been so much stuff going on. Let's, let's find ways to be positive about this team and, and, and get excited again. And, and today was the first time in a, in a pretty damn long time that there was, reason for excitement and at least something to look forward to where you can look at this and go maybe that maybe that sec tournament's the 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 time like what what if this is the first time that those what if questions have started to kind of just barely peek around the corner again and that's all we need that's that's all we need i'm all about it it's it's an exciting time um once and for all just uh, we, we we desperately needed it just give yourself a chance, and uh, that's what they're hoping to do down the stretch is now what you do is just try to get as many wins as possible just to build momentum going to that tournament. Who knows? I'm willing to bet that a team or two that they play here over the next couple of weeks, they're probably going to see again in Nashville. So get some confidence, beat some of these teams. They do still have some tough games coming up at Tennessee. Obviously, they end the year at Ole Miss. You never know what's going to happen at Vandy. They they never seem to get off to a good start down there. Uh, so I'm supposed to be there, but given that I have COVID, I have no idea if I'm going to be recovered enough, even though that I will be out, able to come out of quarantine and stuff. But uh, maybe probably going to sit that one out, especially given the forecasted weather that is coming to the state of Kentucky this week. <laughs> and hopefully everybody stays warm and safe because I know that that part of the state has already had it enough this week. And it looks like you're about to get absolutely just pounded with it this week. <laughs> absolutely. Um, well, all right. Before we get out of here, let's have a quick message for our friends at UK Federal Credit Union. Are you tired of sky-high mortgage payments? Refinance your existing mortgage loan with UK Federal Credit Union's fixed home equity loan. They're currently offering rates as low as 2.74% APR and no closing costs with a 20-year fixed term. Lower your house payment and start saving today at UK Federal Credit Union. It's banking only better. Member qualifications apply. Rate is subject to credit approval. Other restrictions apply. For full disclosures, call 800-234-8528 or visit ukfcu.org slash promotions. Federally insured by NCUA. All right, Sean. With that, we are going to get the heck out of here. As you said, a lot of bad weather coming. I hope everybody stays safe. We just got through the freaking Ice Fest 10,000 just last week and now we're getting another just avalanche of snow coming in (laughs) we're getting another avalanche coming through so i hope everybody stays safe stay inside as long as you can let's just you know and you're a father now you're a father i'm a father sean uh not literally well yeah literally i got a uh a little baby pup um named him benny uh he is benny snell pilgrim um he's a little eight week (laughs) eight week golden doodle absolutely melts my heart he is the sweetest thing on planet earth and uh i've loved every second of him so um that yes i am a little puppy dad and uh we're we're very excited about it so yeah it's it's been things are looking up got a brand new little puppy yesterday and kentucky pulls off the victory today so sean Thank you once again for joining the show. Uh, Great time, as always. With that, fans, where uh, where can fans find your work? Uh, You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry. You can find me on Twitter as well, at JackPilgrimKSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time, hopefully for more positive updates and victories on the Sources Day Podcast. We will see you.